0: off. Thanks. Live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lee. Our traders on the desk are raring to go. <laughs> Tim Seymour, Karen Fineman, Steve Grasso, and Guy Dami. Tonight on Fast, Netflix CEO Reed Hastings is live at the DealBook conference with Andrew Ross Sorkin. After a tough few months for the stock and the company turned things around, we'll bring you that can't-miss interview straight ahead. Speaking of streaming, Disney's out with earnings tomorrow and its brand new Disney Plus service next week. Why options traders are betting on some real magic from the media giant. And later, up in smoke, a medical marijuana stock plunging more than 17% today, even after better-than-expected earnings. Is there relief in sight for this beaten-down sector? But we begin with that big newsmaker this hour, Netflix CEO Reed Hastings, just taking the stage at the New York Times Deal Book Conference with Andrew Ross Sorkin. Let's listen in
1: is actually back to our stage because you've been with us before and we thank you now. I have. Um, but uh, one of the reasons we wanted to see you was because we are right in the midst of the streaming wars. We are. Which have just begun with Apple Plus just last week and with uh, Disney Plus coming next week. And I want to use this opportunity for you to help us understand how you're looking at all of these different component parts and what's about to happen to our media ecosystem. So, here's where, here's where I want to start the conversation. Good. I know that you have historically said that you don't think you have any competition, or that if you do, it is with sleep. You remember that line? It was a great line. Only got a couple laughs here, but you got more laughs before. When I do it, it's better. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and so, my question is now that you see what's happening in this ecosystem, an yeah. ecosystem would you effectively have created or at least inspired what you think is going to happen. You look at Disney+, Plus, you look at HBO Max on one side. Um, you obviously have Hulu still in, in, in the middle of this. Huge, yeah. um, Apple, what, it, what does it look like to you?
2: So There's a lot of competitors all throughout the world, but if you're asking in the US market, um, YouTube, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Netflix, all launched 2007, 2008, so 11 years ago. The four of us have been you know, competing hard for all this time. Um, And then everyone's realized, wow, this internet thing really works. And consumers are enjoying it. And so now all the major media companies are investing in their own services. Um, And it's great for consumers. There will be some more competition for us, but we've already got a lot of competition. Um, And most of it is people will watch less linear TV and now watch, say, Disney content on
1: the Disney Plus service. So do you think, I mean, I guess the real question, though, is do you think that People are going to make decisions and say, I'm going to either do Disney or I'm going to do Netflix or I'm going to do HBO Max or et cetera.
2: You know, not in terms of subscribing. People will subscribe to a couple services the way that they subscribe to a couple news services. Um, but then in terms of time, that's the real competition. The tricky thing in this streaming war is, you know, Apple and <clears throat> uh, Disney 's not going to break out revenue for the service. And you'll hear some subscriber numbers, but you can just bundle things in, so that's not going to be that relevant. So the real measurement will be time. How do consumers vote um, with their evenings? And do they end up watching uh, what mix of all the services? So starting in Q1, you'll start to see a a breakout of that like from Nielsen and others.
1: Um, Bob Iger told our own Maureen Dowd. Uh, look, no one will ever have a monopoly or uh, mythology or stor- on storytelling, not us, not anybody. What Netflix is doing is making content to support a platform. We, as in Disney, are making content to tell great stories. It's very different.
2: Yeah, I would say we're both trying to please consumers. Um, so, you know, our North Star is how do we do content? I mean, we have the Irishman coming up. We have two popes. We have uh, the Crown in a couple weeks. And that's about pleasing our customers. And that's what Disney does, too. I mean, Disney's been doing creative content for 100 years. <clears throat> They're incredibly good at it. They're $80 billion in revenue. We're $20 billion. Um, and we're both focused on how do we win
1: viewing time from you uh, by doing incredible work, telling stories that you all care about. But, but how much of it, and people, the, the critique about Netflix um, is that it is a volume play, that, that, is, that you're trying to be TV, all of it. Um, and that some of these other services at least are marketing themselves in a different way. I don't know if you think that they are. Until they start
2: producing more and then they'll say, we have variety. Right. Okay, because that's what we say now. We have incredible variety. So uh, we have a show, uh, Quicksilver, out of Sweden. uh, Crime thriller. Um, Did super well in, in Sweden. Of course, you expect that or hope for that. But it did 15 times more viewing in the rest of the world, cumulatively, than it did Sweden. So we've got this huge uh, opportunity there. And then interestingly, and it's huge in in Argentina. So you get these, you know, if you produce a wide variety, uh, you get lots of different sharing around the world. And fundamentally, we want to produce everywhere in the world and connect people. Really build empathy through all those shows. And to do that, that takes a wide variety.
1: How worried are you that this is all one grand bubble? And the reason I ask is you're spending a small fortune uh, to be doing what you're doing. You're taking on debt to do it. Others are are spending enormous amounts of money, uh, often either taking on debt or or, going to at least take on losses, depending on the corporate structure, for quite some time.
2: Well, probably the definition of a bubble is it goes down again. And I don't think subscribers or... Cumulative media spending is going to go down. So linear TV is a huge both revenue source and time source that's declining. And that's fueling the growth of all of the Internet services, including YouTube, including video gaming. You don't think you're going to ultimately have to take down spend? No, we plan on taking spend up quite a bit. Um, you know, we're growing and investing around the world. Uh, we've been strong in series. Now we're getting really strong in movies. movies. Um, we want a con- uh, big thrust for us, uh, you know, a little bit this year with Klaus is animated. And next year we've got a really beginnings of a great animation slate, so we're investing heavily there. Um, unscripted, we're doing more and more. So, um, you know, we've got a long way to go, especially on a global basis. And that's the thing that I think people underestimate, you know, here in the U.S., is, You know, the U.S. is 5% of the world's people, and 95%, all those people around the world love entertainment, love television. But there
1: seems to be a a massive land grab for talent, both stars (laughs) themselves. Obviously, Gwyneth Paltrow has been working with you. We we just spoke to her. But also for showrunners, you're paying, uh, you know certain showrunners $300 million uh, reportedly to, to bring them aboard? You
2: know, for multiple years for multiple shows um, we're still not doing the very biggest movies you know the uh, $500 million kind of movies so you know there's ways to go um, in TV we're you going You think you will? Up I think we'll continue to push the edge in entertainment. As we get more distribution, we want to be have content and stories that people feel is unusual, something they haven't seen before. So we do a lot that's um, very economical and tells an amazing story. Um, others that you know, has incredible special effects.
1: Pricing question for you. So now that there's all this competition, one of the amazing things about Netflix and so many of these services, and you've long been a pioneer in this, is to say, um, you can cancel whenever, when any, anytime you want. Sure. Right. And one of the things that Disney is doing is trying to uh, elongate that. So they're actually, you, you, if you want, you can subscribe for a year. I think in some cases you can subscribe to three years. Do you see long term people being able to cancel as quickly as they can? The reason I ask is there's so many people who say, I love, you know, name a series that's on Netflix. I'll binge it, or I'll watch five series this month, and then I'll switch it off. And I'll go over to HBO Max and I'll switch that off two months later and I'll go to the next place.
2: You know, there's lots of ways over time, different tiering, different times to tune the commercialization. But again, really what we focus on is how do we have a service people want more of the time. So we don't focus on how to lock them in. Uh, We focus on how to attract people, how to have... So, you know, we want you anytime you want to relax... You're in front of the TV, and you think, you know, do I turn on the cable, Uh, linear TV? Do I turn on YouTube? Do I turn on Netflix? And we want you to choose Netflix um, because you're in the middle of a great show, um, because you know you're going to
1: find more, because there's great titles. So that's the main focus. Um, You've also talked a lot about YouTube over time and, and also the idea of mobile. And I'm, I, I've heard you make some hints, more, more and more comments about mobile, meaning people watching on their phone. Jeffrey Katzenberg is launching Quibi next year. Do you think people are going to watch meaningfully, and you, you probably get some of the data already, watch meaningfully on, on mobile? We've
0: been Keep listening in to TV. Netflix CEO Reed Hastings on stage with Andrew Ross Sorkin at the New York Times Deal Book Conference. We'll continue to monitor this, bring you some more news that develops. But in the meantime, let's trade this. And, and to me, there are a couple of Uh, important things. He was commenting on competition in the streaming wars with so many services coming online uh, shortly, and he said, we're not necessarily competing for the subscriptions once they have the subscriptions. We're competing for time, which seems like it would be a good thing for Netflix, because it doesn't matter how much a person watches. I mean, it matters, but it matters more that they're paying the monthly fee. Uh, And on the other front, Andrew had asked him, is there a point at which you take down spend? And he said, no, we plan to take it up.
3: And I think the bears will say, there's your reason to sell the stock. You've had a big rally off that 250 level. Mm -hmm. And we actually flagged the 250 level. Remember, it traded down there earlier this year, I think in December, traded back down in September. But you look at the quarter they reported in early October. It wasn't a great quarter. And their guide for the fourth quarter was in a word horrendous. I mean, in terms of U.S. ads, it was less than half of what the street was looking for. International was a disappointment as well. The stock bounced off an oversold condition, not unlike, by the way, Roku, which went up 50 percent from late September. Now you've seen what it's doing in the aftermarket. So I think Netflix can live in this world. It just lives, to Tim's point that he's been
4: making all along, at a much different valuation. Well, it's interesting because if you, if you read the review of the last quarter, which we got a couple weeks ago, uh, I think October 16th, 15th, um, y- y- you actually heard that the cash content spend was going to go down uh, and that the bulls are saying that the free cash flow will, will, will essentially the burn, will trough in 2019. Now, what I just heard there doesn't tell me that that's going to happen. Um, it, it doesn't mean that Netflix hasn't been successful with a model that has been burning away. Um, I, I just believe with a stock that's trading at 95 times trailing, whatever you want to do in the future, um, that model for investors is, is no longer a model I think they're willing to underwrite in the stock. I think the bulls will also say, though, hey, look at the way it held this 265 level, and if you draw a trend line off those lows, it actually needed to hold that, and it held very well. Um, I, I would just point out that the correlation to the stock breakdown is totally as we started to truly, we always knew about competition, but we truly saw it begin to come online or articulate a plan. And that obviously came to light when Disney Plus actually gave sub numbers through 2024, whether you believe that or not.
5: And, and you never had a value play to pick as, as an alternative. So if you wanted streaming, the pure play was Netflix. You, now you have a value play in Disney. And an apple. So there's other choices. Mm -hmm. So for the first time, uh, I'm pretty negative in Netflix not holding this level. I
0: mean, the Mm -hmm. question though is: is is Netflix going to lose subscribers because of a Disney, or will Disney just take people from linear TV? Like Hastings had said, we should know too that Hastings just told Andrew that he himself would subscribe to Disney Plus, and he says that he admires them Uh to that point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that. I don't
6: fully buy that we compete for time, right? Time and money are both resources that are are in short supply, Mm -hmm. right? So I think that it has to be that they will compete, uh, that they'll compete for money. That has to be. Not every household will be able to have everything. So I think that, so you have this business with growing competitors in the macro sense and a raw material, which is content, that is just getting more and more expensive. So you're putting the, all those things together. Even if they maintain their extraordinary position, let's say they do, and they have obviously an enormous, enormous head start. Still, I come down ultimately to Tim's point: with the valuation reflects something so far beyond. But the valuation
5: that. was never, never good for you. But now you actually have a choice where you yeah, could buy. something. Although some, it's so, a
6: little bit the tail wagging the dog. If you buy Apple, you're not. You're, how do you know how much Apple TV you're buying in Right. That's, it was the, right? it was the pure this,
5: play. But to your point. I don't know if it's about uh, just keeping the viewers isn't it about growing? Like, for Netflix, for the story to be intact... It depends on where. In the need, U.S. You it's need about the growth. In the, in but you the need them someplace. You need them someplace. U.S. whole here, International, international right.
4: grow. 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 But, but in an environment, so here, we're all talking about competition. Karen's talking about uh, an allocation of dollars. At some point, look, maybe Disney Plus doesn't continue to price the way they did on their introductory level, but that is so much more attractive on a, uh, on a relative value perspective in terms of the offering. So if you're looking at free cash flow burn, you're looking at U.S. subs, which may be starting to get saturated. We hope for more in national. But but how does how does the cash burn go down when content spend goes up? And in fact they can probably not put those increases through? We got so excited two to three years ago when they started to right. the pass through and we said, okay, this is going to make a profitable company in the short term. Can they pass through prices now? I, I don't think so. And if anything, I see it going in the other direction.
3: That's exactly the point I was going to make. A couple of years ago they went from what eleven dollars to four I forget what the dollars were, but they had a pretty significant increase. Yeah. And, you know, 25 percent or so, which nobody really blinked at. But in terms of a move that was pretty significant, I think it's harder for them now, if not impossible for them now in this environment, to raise prices. And if they're going to spend money, something's got to give. Right.
5: What I don't like real quick, Disney at one thirty has to hold that level. So talk about the competition there. That one is fading pretty quickly as well. And you're not getting that growth valuation with the Disney. So I'd be careful about that not holding the level.
0: Coming up, Qualcomm rallying after hours after topping expectations. CNBC's John Fort just spoke with Qualcomm CEO. We'll bring you the comments. Plus, it's been a marvelous month for the markets. Our traders are taking you inside the record rally and breaking down which stocks they trade and which they'd fade. Mm. Yes, it's your favorite game. live in Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out shares of Qualcomm, the chip maker, moving higher in the after hours. Let's get to John Fort with the details. John.
7: Yeah, moving as high as uh, 90 a share after hours at least, which is levels that hasn't seen in a while. I, I talked to CEO Steve Mollacom before uh, he got on the call and started conversation with analysts, my questions were a lot about five g That is what analysts are asking about as well. He told me that his confidence in the 5 g ramp higher than it was a quarter ago uh, told me about some stats that he mentioned again in the call around South Korea, which of course has a, a very advanced wireless culture. The fact that the ramp there is happening more quickly than some expected, more quickly than than 4G did, that uh, Qualcomm's revenues from 5G will really start to ramp, hit their first inflection point in fiscal Q2. Uh, Also in the fall, there will be another wave of devices. Of course, that's when people are expecting to see a 5G iPhone. That actually matters for Qualcomm now because they have resolved their legal dispute with Apple, and Apple is paying licensing revenues and uh, at least 10% of device revenue in calendar 2020 expected to come from 5G devices and smartphones. Analysts trying to figure out exactly what the margin profile of that is going to be, getting a little bit more color on the slope of the curve as far as uh, when the strongest revenues will come in. But this is a stock, again, that's trading more on 5G and expectations of growth in the future, less on legal headaches and, and takeover concerns. They've got an analyst meeting coming up on November 19th where they will talk more about the growth strategy going forward, guys.
0: All right, John, thank you. John Fort with the details on Qualcomm shares are up 5.4%. This is quite a contrast from what we heard in July, right, where it was a real disappointment. Yeah. The forecast was really gloomy. Uh, and there are still the legal woes uh, hanging over the stock.
4: I think this is what this is about. They, you remember they, they gave a September guide of, of being up about four percent on mobile station and, and overall their, their CDMA business was very, very lackluster. they were talking about four or five percent growth where it's usually mid-teens. And I just think that that's really what the market was set up for. I think for a company that had a massive, massive re-rating uh, on the back of obviously their approved uh, licensing deals in the regulatory environment uh, and, and people wondered what was next. You get that guide and the stock was stuck um, I think this is a very, very important announcement for the company.
3: Well, you know, and what John was just alluding to, you go back to May. I mean, this was a $52 stock. It had that huge move up to $90, 89 80 basically on May 3rd, gave half of that move back over the last couple months, and here we are again. So I think the question you have to ask yourself is the hope of 5G and a 20 times forward PE, does it, does it make sense in this environment? Or now that we're trading up against those levels again, do you take profits? This has been a stock that if you trade it, you've done well. My inclination is to absolutely take profits here at the $90 level. It. Yeah. Oh,
4: no, no, no. I didn't. No, 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 game. no. We're playing that but game later. later.
0: Yes. But it faded. Th-
5: the big move was, was the April, the 60% move higher from a- April, where lawsuit news and, and Apple news got a little easier. I don't know if I would fade it just yet because a lot of people have been playing this against the China trade not working out. So I do believe there's more room to the upside. And I do believe 5G is a catalyst for the entire semiconductor space.
6: Well, I was just looking to see what would trade up on the heels of this. Apple, you would think, didn't really move. Um, but Skyworks and Xilinx, uh, I think, I mean, they should, right? I think the whole space will trade up. Assuming What's, we don't have any China tariff issues. Right.
0: What's is interesting is that we have seen, I mean, normally you want to see a read-through or, or either the suppliers first and then through to Apple or vice versa, and it doesn't always work out. But for this time around, it does seem like the suppliers in Apple are telling you the same message, basically, that there is actually that demand that is there, and you're hearing that pretty consistently.
4: Look, you, you've got mm-hmm. chip stocks, especially ones that compete in the same place at all time highs. Um, and look at Taiwan Semi, which is essentially the, 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 the branded maker, the white labeler for the entire sector at all time highs in a difficult environment and a difficult environment also for trading Asian stocks and the stocks at all time highs. So I, I think, you know, maybe we could have seen this coming, Mel. But again, I think the way they, they guided that September uh, to get to yep. where we are today is very important.
0: Coming up on Fast, check out this chart. The mystery stock up nearly 40% since the market's October lows. Does the desk trade it or fade it? Mm, And later, earnings from Wind Resorts and Expedia will get you all the after hours action in these stocks. Stick with us. Fast Money's back after this quick break. Welcome back to Fast Money. It has been a marvelous month for stocks with the S&P, NASDAQ, and the Dow all touching record highs. And the market has taken a number of big names along for the ride since its most recent lows on October 3rd. So we thought it would be a great time to play our favorite game, trade and I'm sure yours. That's right. It's with some rally winners. So trade it or fade it, rally edition. We start with American Airlines. That stock is up 22% since October 3rd. Karen, do you trade this or fade this? Well, uh, you know, I hate
6: the game trade. It means long. I am long it. So, yes, I would trade it. I think that it shouldn't have been where it was, but I also think it's it's really not expensive here. I'd rather be in Delta, but if I have to choose it and play the game as it is, trade it. American Airlines. Do yes. you concur?
3: She did a would-you-rather within <laughs> traded or faded. She did.
0: Yeah, I, I allow
4: that to happen
3: with her. <laughs> with her. By yeah. pre- the way, <laughs> I see preferential treatment here. 100%. Now, amongst the,
4: amongst the ladies, but I'm with right.
3: Kay Fine and, and, and I agree with her. Given the choice in the airlines, I'd rather be in Delta than AAL, but I
4: would continue to trade American Airlines Look, I I, I totally agree. I mean, I like airlines, as people may know, but AOL is as cheap as they come. And then there's a reason for it. It's not the highest quality name in there. But basically, the stock is traded from 57 down to the low 30s. The stock looks interesting, too, because you're kind of breaking out above that 200-day, which it had been struggling with. So I trade it.
0: All right. Hmm. Uh, This one's for Grasso. Yeah. Tesla, mm. up 34% mm. since October 3rd, traded or faded.
5: So middle of October, we're on the desk, and I said, if forced, I self-would-you-rathered, and I said, if forced, I would be a buyer of it, because it has a 26% short interest. It's, it's very hard to carry a short in a name that could rally this aggressive, but currently, it is overbought on an RSI relative strength index, so I would say fade this trade.
0: A couple of pieces of news on Tesla we should note today. They announced that they were going to unveil the Cybertruck, which is a fancy word for pickup truck in Elon Musk Mm -hmm. um, language, uh, on November 21st. And S&P is also uh, changing its outlook on the debt to a positive from a negative outlook. So good. that's why we're seeing the stock up 3% today. Although you're still fading this, yeah. Let
4: me get out of the gates on my fade. I'm not going to surprise anybody or shock anybody. I'm going to fade it. I've been fading this thing for a long time. Sometimes happily, sometimes not so much. Um, I think the S and P upgrade on the outlook for the debt is very, very important. I'm not sure um, based upon that quarter um, that's enough, but certainly based solely on that quarter, that's enough. Um, I'm not buying the the cash flow generation in the medium term. In the short term, they did a nice job last quarter.
0: Gee, what would you do here?
3: I, you know, I, I was fading at 275, so at 325, i got to stick to my... Although sometimes it, it, the calculus does change, but I don't think... Although it appears as though the fundamental story has changed, they seem to be... You know, the cash flow situation is not as dire it was this time last year. I'm still more in the fade camp than uh, trade camp.
6: Karen? I would be, too, just on valuation. I mean, okay, kudos to them if they're getting it together, they're able to meet or come close enough... Right, of production and better than close enough on uh, cash flow generation. But the valuation reflects a lot better than close enough. Mm.
0: All right, Tim. Hi, this is your mm. stock. That's me. General Electric up at 30% since the October lows. Trade or faith?
4: Look, I, This is a turnaround. This is a turnaround that we never said was going to be easy. I am trading this one. I, I, I think Larry Kulp is certainly in there doing certain things in terms of cutting some of the, 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 the cash flow drag. It's got about a 4% free cash flow yield on it, which is probably not enough to pay down as much debt. We talked about this the other day. Are they on track or are they somewhere close? And I think that's the big debate right now. I think I'm going to call them on track. I trade this.
5: I'm still in the name. It is a free cash flow uh, comeback for GE. So there's a lot of green ahead of them. There's a lot of mistakes that they could make, but they've already done that. We've already heard that story before. I think it's moving towards the direction of 15 sooner rather than later. I'm staying in the name.
3: Steve's in the twenty and twenty camp, and that, he yeah. might be right at the back end. But I'm in sort of the what's the twenty 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 stone campaign slogan? Twenty. Remember Kate Remember Kate in '09? It's a similar oh, yeah. slogan now. Yeah. Remember when you
6: asked when was that? Yeah. Do you remember? And
3: I, remember, I still
6: don't remember. <laughs> it was
3: a, like you know, ten yeah. years or so ago ish. Twenty. I'm in a faded camp. I mean, I, J.P. Morgan still thinks this goes to five. Who might argue with Mr. Tusa? Faded.
6: I mean, I think this one, given how levered it is, more than any others, it's either going to be substantially higher or substantially lower. lower. I don't think we will see it here at 11 next year. All right.
0: Guy, this is for you. Hi pay there. attention. Mm-hmm. Tenant healthcare.
6: Ah, uh, it's THC. a 40,
0: 44%. Trader or faded?
3: Oh, it's so a waiting. You didn't give me the quick trader to fade I didn't yet. realize that you were so, so. No, no. I like to hear when you tonight. say it. Listen, we've we've discussed this for a while that these hospitals are cheap, and you know you got to get these while everybody hates them. Everybody hated them back in the summer. Now Except all of you. a sudden you like
6: to eh, but,
3: but everybody loves them now. I think Mizuhu, Did I say that Mizuho, correctly? Mizzouhu. Oh, not. why'd you say it like that? Huh? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it sounded. I just read, I'm a anyway. phonetic thing. They just put a thirty-three dollar price target. That was a move today. I think you got to get ahead of this and fade it. These are the same levels we saw basically March, April. Take pro- take the money and run. A Steve Miller song that's miserable, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, Bob, Matt and Honey.
0: We want to bring in a news good. alert now on Twitter. Leslie Pickers got this. Leslie. Hey,
8: Melissa. Uh, the Justice Department has charged two former Twitter employees with spying for Saudi Arabia to get personal account information of the kingdom's critics. The charges were unveiled. Uh, on Wednesday in San Francisco, today in San Francisco, they came a day after the arrest of one of the former Twitter employees, a U.S. citizen, who is alleged to have spied on the accounts of three users. Also, according to The Washington Post, the second former Twitter employee was accused of accessing the personal information of more than 6,000 Twitter accounts in 2015 on behalf of Saudi Arabia. The charges alleged that the Twitter employees were rewarded with a designer watch and tens of thousands of dollars that were sent to secret bank accounts, according to the Associated Press. Now, in a statement, Twitter says, quote, we recognize the lengths bad actors will go to try and undermine our service. Our company limits access to sensitive account information to a limited group of trained and vetted employees. We understand the incredible risks faced by many who use Twitter to share their perspectives with the world and to hold those in power accountable. We have tools in place to protect their privacy and their ability to do their vital work, Melissa.
0: So these are people who are spying on behalf of the Saudi government. Correct.
8: They were former Twitter employees who, during their time at Twitter, were allegedly, (coughs) according to the Justice Department, doing work on behalf of the kingdom. All right. Leslie, thank you. Leslie Picker, Uh, this sounds like
0: something that could happen at any company. It It
4: does, although, I mean, there was certainly no acceptance of the fact that something broke down in our system here is what I read to that I mean they, they point out that they go out of the way to protect the users of Twitter and that it 's a high trust situation mm-hmm. um, but what happened at Twitter that these folks were allowed to run wild i mean th- that 's concerning right I mean th- these were twitter employees
0: they, they, also u s citizens though I mean who 's to say i don 't know when you when you hire somebody who knows that there's got to be they checks. Would break though. down, right? To well, Tim's point, there's got to be internal checks,
5: though. We're we're talking about.
0: So you guys think it's a bigger problem. I, I don't. I
5: think
4: it. it
6: could happen. I think, I think it we happen can get anywhere. To, yeah. yeah,
4: but I think we've look. We've we've raked Facebook over the coals. Right. I mean, I think we have to give Twitter a but little slap that's here different, too, isn't it? I, I don't know. I mean, some of some of it was uh, breaking through and essentially, uh, you know, having having a breach of, of the platform. But there was something from uh, from inside that allowed it to happen. I, I believe. But ultimately, we're talking about Twitter employees that that transgressed, aren't we? shouldn't the company. I mean, the company manages these people, don't they? I'm with you.
0: All right. Uh, we've got another news alert here on Alphabet. Deidre Bose is live in San Francisco with this. Deidre. Hey, Melissa, Alphabet's Board of Directors has opened an
9: investigation into how executives handled claims of sexual harassment and other misconduct. According to materials viewed by CNBC, the board has formed an independent subcommittee and hired a law firm to assist with this investigation and contact alleged victims. Now, claims include the behavior of Chief Legal Officer David Drummond, who has been accused of having relationships with employees. A company spokesperson didn't immediately return a request for comment. But, Melissa, this comes after Alphabet. That shareholders sued the board in January for allegedly covering up sexual misconduct from executives. Back to you.
0: Are there policies in place? I don't know if you know this, Deidre. Are there policies in place, like in the McDonald's case, that explicitly says that certain people should not have relationships with others?
9: Well, I think there's been a lot of pressure, particularly after Android co founder Andy Rubin, he was let go and was paid $90 million after an internal investigation found sexual assault claims credible. Now, this was according to a report in the New York Times, and at the time it sought off a company wide walkout. So, this pressure has certainly been building. This is just the next piece of it. I should also mention that you can check out more of this story. So, do go to CNBC.com. Jennifer Elias was the one that breaking this news.
0: All right. Deidre, thank you. Deidre Bosa. In San Francisco, there is some irony that it's the chief legal officer. Huh. I don't know why. <laughs> I accused of misconduct here.
6: Yeah. And- I, well, I think there's two there's separate things. There's the consensual relationships. Right. And when, when you work all the time and there are tens of thousands of employees, I mean, you know, that's, that's what's going to happen, right? That's different than a harassment or, uh, you know, feeling, right. I assume it's women feeling like they couldn't advance as part of it. Totally different thing.
3: Agreed. But unfortunately, you're right. But is it going to be? It should be. You would, you would hope it would have negative, for the, but it's not going to be. I don't think it's going to move the stock at all. And Google continues. You'll get a chart. I mean, it does everything right higher lows, higher highs. Valuation is reasonable. And in my world, as long as we stay above that August 2018 high of 1250 or so, the, the trend continues to be your friend in this name, and the trend is higher.
0: So we've had two news alerts on Twitter and Alphabet. Do either of these things impact the stock. Guy, you said no on Alphabet for this one. What do you say? I
4: I, I think I I think that Twitter is, certainly has a greater ability to affect the stock and the tone around the stock and the core business and, and trust and privacy and, and whatnot. I think it, in Google, it should. But ter- you know, whatever. It's a terrible transgression for that person. Um, and the, the company needs to do what they have to do. But um, this doesn't affect... Look at the sell-off, whoever. though, already in, in Twitter. I, I, I agree with Tim. I think it should
5: have the uh, uh, the ability to affect the stock. But it's sold off so mm-hmm. dramatically recently. So let's just see where there is. Because you're going to get that reversion bounce at some point in Twitter. So that might get muted A little mute the action, but Google has had a target on its back from the government, and I think that's already in the mix, so I think that one could move higher.
0: All right, coming up, one of the top execs of Charles Schwab will join us. Bernie Clark will tell us what he sees coming for stocks much more fast money, straight ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money Expedia. Moving in the red off the uh, earnings results. Seema Modi is back at headquarters with the details. Seema. And
10: the stock continues to fall, Melissa, down 12% in extended trade. Expedia CEO Mark Okestrom says we're disappointed with the results in the third quarter. We understand the near term challenges. Now, on the conference call, analysts have been asking a number of questions related to Expedia's home rental platform, Verbo formerly known as HomeAway. After seeing two quarters of slowing growth, it saw a slight improvement in gross bookings, but revenue for Verbo fell to 14% from 17% growth it saw in the second quarter year-over-year. A lot of experts have been pointing to the rapidly evolving and very crowded home rental market that now includes Airbnb, Marriott, Booking.com, among others. Expedia saying that it continues to put more money towards rebranding, marketing, and expanding its platform internationally and into new markets in 2020. But for now, it expects muted growth. Other headwinds that it's dealing with and that it referenced on the call, protests in Hong Kong, currency fluctuations, and the new French digital tax. In fact, Melissa, the company is saying the global tax environment is rapidly evolving and several other countries are considering adding transactional-level taxes. Too early to understand the implications, but Expedia is closely monitoring those. You can see the stock down 12% after hours, still holding on to a gain for the year. And tomorrow, booking holdings after the bell.
0: More broadly, Sima, though, I mean, you've been doing these stories all week long so far about the various data points within the travel industry that indicate that there is a slowing going on.
10: Yeah, absolutely. Part of it is the consumer being a bit more selective on the type of travel they want to do in this softening economic environment. At the same time, there are structural changes at play, one of it being this rising interest in home rentals. But with that comes a crowded environment and a crowded uh market with more players, not just in the public market, but private as well, ahead of Airbnb's IPO next year. All right. Seema,
0: thank you. Seema Modi back at headquarters. Guy, how do you trade these travel stocks?
3: Topped out at 140 expedient back in July. If you look, it made another push here. Failed. Now here we are testing the levels. I think we last saw the end of May, June, the 115 level. I mean, you can make an argument that this actually might be an interesting play tomorrow from the long side if it trades sort of 115 holds on two and a half, three times normal volume. Listen, I hear what they said. I get it. It wasn't crazy expensive in the first place. Obviously, that's changed a little bit. But I think if it holds 115
5: tomorrow, which I think it may on big volume, you buy the stock. I think it's tough because the momentum play was the VRBO. So if the VRBO is, is uh, selling or not growing as quickly, that's the competition in the market. I don't think you buy it here. But if you look at VAC, uh, Marriott Vacations World, that's their timeshare business. The stock is up 68%. They seem to be doing something right. So if you want exposure to the space, I think you go there.
0: Coming up, it's the moment of truth for Disney as it prepares to report earnings tomorrow. We'll tell you how options traders are betting on the action. Plus, Charles Schwab's Bernie Clark is with us. We'll get his take on where he thinks the markets are heading next. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Stocks sitting near all-time highs. So what should you be doing with your money with markets at these levels? Let's bring in Bernie Clark, Executive Vice President at Charles Schwab Advisor Services. He joins us live from the Schwab Impact Conference in San Diego. Bernie, great to have you with us.
11: It is great to be here.
0: You know, for every guest, we get uh, all these little notes here. And the notes that I'm reading don't really jive with the markets being at record highs. 65% of your advisors anticipate a possible recession that's now uh, up versus six months ago. 40% of advisors saying reaching client goals will be difficult. 83% of clients are worried about a recession. And yet here we are at record highs, Bernie. What gives?
11: You know, I think you're feeling some of the impact of the volatility we've seen since, really, the fourth quarter of last year. Uh, and the ups and downs. We fielded the study in September, and, and advisors are notoriously cautious on behalf of their clients. Uh, but I tell you, I'm at Impact right now, and and there are 2,300 of our clients here, and there is a lot of optimism about where we're going in the future. And perhaps we're just starting to see some more normalized markets with some ups and some downs instead of those long down and long up trends we've seen over the past decade.
0: Do they buy in this, into this value rotation that's been going on? I'm sorry. Do they, are they buying your advisors? Do they believe in this value rotation that we've been seeing in the markets?
11: I, I think they do, and, and they're listening carefully. I would tell you we were uh, very careful around some of our, our predictions uh, as we were coming into this, and, and we had some of our economists talking yesterday. And you can see the movement uh, and the rotation that they're taking everybody through and rebalancing. but. But remember, advisors fundamentally—they are in for the long haul, and and they're working more on the life plans of their clients often than the portfolios, and letting the portfolios follow in in that direction. So,
4: so so they're astute, uh, but they move cautiously. But Bernie, if we could read through to some of the the I think the sentiment you're expressing, can can we take away um, that? A lot of advisors who are conservative for their clients um, have been more conservative in this environment and if anything are underweight or 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 might be in a mode where actually with a very bullish close to the year they may be feeling some anxiety, possibly some FOMO. Yeah,
11: you know, I, I think what they're doing is they're they're being rather neutral uh in the environment as we've seen and, and trying to mount to overweight in any one direction, but but moving as as the market has moved, they, they tend to move a little bit ahead of the sentiment of the retail. Uh, client, uh, and that's kept them out in front of the curve, I think more so, and aggressive where they need to be aggressive. And, and again, the portfolio is never being structured as an overall entire firm portfolio, but more directed towards the needs of the individual client.
6: It's Bernie, it's Karen, let me ask you about on the fixed income portion of your portfolio for clients, in this rate environment, what are you advising? Smaller or out, more out uh, on the risk spectrum or... Just get very low rates.
11: Well, I think the important thing to remember is as a custodian for advisors and having $1.7 trillion in assets uh, that we safe keep for them, we don't make the recommendations on the portfolios. The advisors do. Uh, and they individually craft them for each one of their clients. So, so it's, it's really a very individualized decision. And each advisor has a strategy that they're following also on behalf of their clients. So, so it's not our job to recommend the, the mix of product that they're in. Uh, But we are making sure that the the capability and the products are all available to them.
0: Bernie, great to speak with you. Thanks for your time.
11: Okay. Thanks very much.
0: Bernie Clark of Charles Schwab Advisor Services. Um, This is all part of the the conversation that we've been having for the past couple days, and that is do you believe in this rally? Is seasonality going to be enough to keep us at these levels going into the end of the year?
5: Yeah, you have a tremendous amount of news flow that's going to take place. And you have the year end. So I think you're going to get whatever weakness you're going to get is going to be in November. And then everyone's going to get back to work in December. But when you look at Charles Schwab and those types of stocks, they're very levered to interest rates because they carry such a big balance. So the company itself, the company itself, we're talking about this, the the stock alone. So they've been fairly judged on where the interest rates are so to make them investable that's why they've underperformed and now with Powell getting in the way he's saying that rates are not going up as soon it's great for the market so to your first question i think the market will have a tough time going down for any extended period of time when they continue to get easy money but for this stock in particular it's tough with look
3: Clearly being skeptical, as I've been, has been wrong. I mean, it's, I mean the markets, we're at all-time highs. Here we are. But the reasons to be skeptical are still there. I mean, they have not gone away, in my opinion. I and mean, we can talk U.S.-China. Again, I don't think... You know, I I think it's all been sort of posturing. I don't think anything's really happening there. Negative rates still exist. Slowdowns still exist. I mean, Warren Buffett with $122 billion, a record level for him sitting on the sideline. And his indicator is absolutely flashing red. His indicator being the Wilshire 5000 market cap over GDP. It's about 146 percent. Levels we haven't seen in probably a decade. So, again, all the warning signs are there. But the market wants to continue to go higher, I think, to Steve's point.
0: Up next, Disney gearing up to report earnings and options traders are betting the results could spark a magical rally for the stock. We'll break down the action. And take a look at the Kramer cam. Jim is talking with the CEO of CVS after the company's big earnings beat today. That's full interview coming up at the top of the hour. We're live at NASDAQ and Times Square. Much more Fast Money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Disney is gearing up for a couple of major events over the next week. Its highly anticipated streaming service, Disney Plus, debuts next Tuesday. But before that, we get earnings. Disney reports after the bell tomorrow, and traders in the options market are betting on big gains in the Magic Kingdom. Mike Coes in San Francisco with the action. Hey, Mike.
12: Hi there. So calls outpays puts by about 2 to 1 on approximately double the average daily options volume. That represented about 120,000 contracts Total trading and the options market is implying a move of about three point seven percent on earnings. Now, that may seem modest given some of the big moves we've seen in some other stocks. But it's worth noting that this is a stock that's moved less than one and a half percent on average over the last eight quarters. And where we saw most of the activity was the November 22nd weekly 135 strike call. So that would actually be capturing both of these upcoming events. Between 10 and 10.30, about 7,500 of those traded for $2 and nearly 13,000 of them traded all day. So buyers of those calls are betting that the stock's going to rally through that 135 strike price by at least the $2 that they paid. They may well be targeting the all-time highs that the stock saw in early August, which is a little more than 10% higher than where it is right now. And when we take a look at some of the things that Guy was just talking about, Disney, like many other stocks, is trading very close to, if not at, It's peak valuation on a variety of metrics, so it would make some sense to use inexpensive call options to press your bullish bets here, I think.
0: The bar is high, in other words, going into this uh, earnings release. Uh, What's the number one thing that you need to hear tomorrow?
4: Uh, they're going to talk more about Disney Plus. I'm not sure they're going to give you more sub-outlook. In fact, I, I kind of want to hear about Studio. Um, they- they've also had some great upgrades in their theme parks, and I think that's an important part of the diversity of this company. But I, I think I want to hear about Studio. I think Fox Films is actually, you know, Karen asked. We did a nice power pitch on this a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Karen asked yes. about Fox, and has that been integrated into these numbers. And I think Fox, Fox Films is going to be a bit of a drag on Studio. Um, and I think ultimately that's been a game saver for Disney. But uh, I'm longing into these numbers.
0: You're talking about Disney, Karen, in relationship to Netflix and the valuation. But in and of itself, is Disney a value stock still? Uh, Well, you don't know how much the market
6: assigns to any particular piece of it. But, yeah, I think it is. I mean, it is a premier company in so many of their businesses, right? The absolute best of the best. And so I think I agree with Tim. We're really not going to get any clarity for a while, actually, um, to see how the subscribers, you know, while, at least six months to have any good sense. I like it though. It was a. I had the time of my life for you. It, it was.
10: was. It, it, was,
0: really, was it was a rare. World. It was yes. a rare win. We rare
10: won. win.
5: We don't it's win. Not the key to, a win to it is: do you time. get a re-rating on valuation? So when you said, "Is it a value uh, stock?" So you, do you, you? Do people start to say, "Hey, you have a streaming entity, so you this have the more theme like parts. so you have more, so it can only help." valuation in my opinion so maybe you get a little bit of expansion and to mike's point if this is the higher end of valuation maybe you break through that
3: I could have power pitched Disney, and I would have gotten shellacked. Probably, because Tim's a fan favorite, and they like—they just oh, enjoy I just. Think Dis-
0: I think Disney is a, a fan favorite. You like what Disney? You're doing there. I think Disney uh, is interesting. A fan what you're favorite. doing? there. Yeah. not me the
3: fan. I'm, I'm fan just very, saying. I know. I know the music that plays right. when I do that stupid thing.
0: Mike, thanks for, <laughs> for, for more office action. Check out the full show this Friday, 5:30 p.m. Eastern Time. Up next, final trades. Trade time, Tim. Was that game traded
4: or faded? Yeah. We talked about AL. AL, buy it. I like it. Long. Trade it.
6: Yes. Talked about Disney. I like Disney. Disney and happy anniversary. That's to my husband. All right.
4: Trade him. Trade him.
6: Uh, Grasso.
5: TSE, Trinsea. We didn't talk about this one at all. It's a uh, chemicals play. It's a value play. Hoping the rotation still has legs in it. TSE. We, we had a lot of fun in the commercial break tonight. Unfortunately, <laughs> the folks at home don't see that.
3: But uh, pe against 115.
0: See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Money. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. People today can spend half their lives over 50.
9: So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older. Like a family vacation. Jenny!